You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. Enjoy the show. Podcast. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your hosts. Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review. Joined as always by my buddy Garrett. How you doing, man? What's up, guys? How are you? Happy. What day is it? Wednesday? It's uh, Tuesday. 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 Or Tuesday, as we say in England, because it's a CH word. Apparently. Is it really? I didn't know. That. Yeah, we say we say Tuesday and tuna. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I've been here too long, so I say Tuesday and tuna. Nice. Fun know. facts. Fun, fun facts, facts for the kids there. So this week we got Michael <laughs> Easter, um, a dude that wrote the comfort book or discomfort right. book. Russell Peters, a legend, and then uh, Joe List, who's a comic. Um, I know a little bit about, but uh, it was great to have him on, and uh, I, he's a funny guy. He's a goofball. I like him. Yeah, he, he is a good. I like his delivery. I have a few things to say about him, but yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. Let's jump into Michael Easter, though. Uh, I knew you would love this one, Garrett. Like, it's funny. There's certain podcasts I listen to, and I'm already anticipating like how you're going to talk about them with me. And <laughs> right. so this guy writes a book about... Uh, basically the importance of discomfort and how it kind of will mold you into something better and and also the problems with you know no discomfort to being too comfortable uh he talks about helicopter parenting which is an expression we've all heard but then snowplow parenting (laughs) i never i thought Helicopter parenting on steroids, basically. Huh? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting <clears throat> because you got to think who are like the softest people, right? They're like the right. snowflakes. Yeah. So if For you're sure. a snow plow parent, you're making them. Yeah. You're plowing through yeah. snowflakes. Right. They always, uh, I mean, my brother deals with that frequently here in California. It's like you, and Joe makes mention of it too. It's like you always want to have the best situation and set up for your kids. But whenever you take away all the comfort or all the discomfort for your kids, you don't allow them to learn anything. And in that case, they're going to be handicapped. I mean, for lack of a better word, later on in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's it's like that old saying, like the the hardest thing you've ever experienced is the hardest, the hardest thing, thing you've ever experienced, right? It's like for you, yeah. if everyone's protected you your whole life and then, you know, you've had no discomfort, no adversity – and you get thrown out into the real world. I mean, it's rough Slap out there. The you're not going to be ready. Yeah. Everything's going right. to make you sad. You're going to get depressed. You're just going to fall apart. Right. Yeah. It's interesting as children, too, how impactful they are. It's like, you, you, I mean, that's got to be so detrimental. I, I, I don't know. Your upbringing, I know we've had similar talks about how we were brought up. And I was brought up with a very, very hard-nosed dad. 
And I mean, uh, you, he would say that it, you could look back on it now and I'm very thankful for it. But at the time, man, it was rough. But I don't think I would have had it any other way, given the circumstances that I see with other people that are like just just handcuffed handcuffed by having life too easy as a child and i just assume that's what it's going to be it can be very detrimental to the future you know yeah it's often quite easy to spot like spoiled kids you know really i'm yeah really easy i i don't know i i would say i i'd say you're correct i i don't know i feel like now that i'm later in my 30s it might be a little bit harder to spot but it's still there. But I, I would say that just because a lot of people our age have kids in their own families, I don't know the dichotomy with their parents and how they interact at this point. But I, I, I would say that you're you're correct in that assumption. But then, you know, the real question is like, <clears throat> okay, if you're if you're saying that because you went through challenges as a kid and it was tough, right? You've become something that you know is beneficial to you. You're stronger because of it. But right. but there wasn't really like, it wasn't part of a rite of passage. It wasn't like your dad thought, and this isn't to say anything bad about your dad, right? But right. All, like with my life, for example, it's like nobody structured these adversities in order to help me in the future. They just happened to be that way. And luckily I didn't get more resentful from them. And I took responsibility for my part as best I could. And they have become useful. I'm like, wow, I'm more resilient because of this. What you know, without a, without a doubt, well, I think it just provides that it provides that life perspective, right? Yeah, like, I mean, but but something Micah was talking to is this like rite of passage, right? This like right. hero's journey. So you know, right. you take like Native American cultures, and and some of the guys up here in Bozeman that I know, um, like know some of the tribes on the reservations and things and have like gone through some of their rituals and there's this crazy one i heard the other day where you you one that's more normal is like you go out into the wilderness and you make like a square like you pick a spot you make just like a big square i don't know what it is like 10 feet by 10 feet and you stay in there for three days you don't leave doesn't matter if bears come or you hear weird noises or whatever. For three days, you just have a sleeping bag. And maybe you can make a fire. I think you get some water, but you do nothing else. And this comes from a traditional like Native American rite of passage for like a young teenager. And it's like their way to like find themselves and become a man. So it's, it's like forced adversity, but like in a structured way to create like a more resilient person. And we don't have right. any shit like that, really, in our culture. It's like we just try no. to stay away from anything difficult. Right. How I, I, I want to just... This is something that you've heard of in Bozeman. How big is the square, just out of curiosity? I, I don't know 100%. I don't think it's that big. It's not that big. You can't, like... You can't leave it. So you, it's not like you're I mean, running you can, around you can, and doing stuff. You can lay down in it. My oh, yeah, yeah. You don't have to stand up oh, okay. for three days. Okay. No, it's not like yeah, a prison camp. Some wild shit. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. They, they also said, I think he made reference to a tribe that would give you like a spear to go out and go lion hunting or something like that. Oh, was, my was life. That? Didn't he say that? Something I think that so, effect? yeah. Like, I think so. 
you go out with a spear and then you either come back or you don't more or less right so like, which huh? which is what they call the hero's journey it's like that movie king arthur by guy Ritchie. right like that's such okay. a great movie if you haven't seen it it's with jude law i watched I, it yesterday it's it's fucking I, I great check, and it basically he can't spoiler he can't like hold the excalibur the the sword excalibur okay. he can't hold it with both hands because he's like not strong enough so he needs gotcha. to go into i think they call it like the Darklands or something and he faces okay. all these like you know crazy animals and all this monstrous right. shit and he like gets over his fear of all this stuff and that's you know like the hero's journey right. then you come back a man right. and he's ready to take on the world um <clears throat> have you seen the have you seen the count of monte cristo by chance no i haven't oh that's my top two movies i'll check out the one you said is it really i should i should write that down i watch that write that especially just some outside circumstances that are going on that would be an amazing movie for you to watch for sure that's my my favorite movie one of my favorite quotes ever and even in life is count mondego says he's in this really rough situation he's already been like in prison for x amount of time for committing a crime that he didn't even commit he was just framed to do it and at this point when he runs into trouble he's just like do your worst and that's always like just i love that quote just do your worst i've already dealt with a bunch of other shit so come on bring it on like i'm ready for it like that's uh, you'd have to watch the movie to get the context but yeah i gotcha is it an an old movie uh it's relatively old um not i mean old i want to say probably in early 2000s i'll check it uh, out i'll check it out for sure what sure so so what did you think about like the journey that he took which is kind of similar when he went to where do you go alaska caribou hunting with that with that guy that's like an outback dude right I mean, I, I, I envy that stuff, to be honest with you, especially being so, I mean, hands off. Like, I think about how I get my food. I, I will say, after listening to a lot of these Rogans, when I go to the store now, I literally get in my car, and the first thing I say is I just say, God, thank you for giving me this opportunity to go get this food. I know how many other people don't have it that way. Like, I literally try and be conscious of that thought, but even just saying those words is still being disconnected. I get that. But, I mean just to get out there in the wild and to actually like you think you got problems with your freaking wi-fi connection like go to alaska for fucking three weeks and survive yeah it's certainly going to change your perspective <laughs> on a lot of things i'm sure like getting yeah. back and having a hot shower probably feels oh amazing. yeah <laughs> i think i told you i'm 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 58 days in for a, the first thing i do is take a cold shower every day now ever since i heard kamara usman on there and he talked about his journey i haven't missed the day oh that's excellent that. but uh good work the the hot springs near me um in bozeman i've been going every morning in the weekdays hell yeah. and they have a cold yeah. plunge pool and uh, it's a hell of a way to start your day i'll tell you that much oh it's it's the best thing for you. It's your body having to survive to some extent. It's like mm-hmm. your metabolism speeds up. I, I just booked a, I have a sauna. I was going to tell you about this. I'm not sure if I mentioned this to you off the air, but I just booked a 10-pack of these sauna sessions, these infrared saunas that have a cold plunge in the private room. It was pretty pricey, but as I've, I've, I've made reference to it many a time. That was the main thing that I've missed during COVID is the lockdown from the gyms and the sauna. So I can't wait to get back in there and, that stuff's super Swamps. beneficial, man. It makes a big difference, you know, you know when you're talking Absolutely. about um, health and these other things. But it, it, but it's kind of like 
it has aspects of what Michael is talking about. It's like, it's a struggle, you know? Right. Surviving the sauna is hard, and cold plunges are definitely difficult. And it's like, Ooh. it's almost like the rest of your day is a bit easier. I think that's everything. I, I always attribute that to the gym, too. Like, you do the hard, you choose the hard shit, and then you can make the rest of your life easier. Mm. I mean, Joe brings up, uh, he brings up his friend, Dan Doty that right. um was the first guy to ever take him hunting and right. he kind of talked about what it was like for his first kill and all these sorts of things and dan Doty is actually the guy that first introduced me to bozeman where i'm living now and, uh, and like, no way. The, yeah because he ran the men's groups and he mentioned it oh, on rogan true. and knew a good friend of mine so i flew up to meet him and because uh, i was just fascinated with what he was saying and he got me in contact with one of his best friends that he grew up with that lived in Santa Monica, um, actually Marina Del Rey. But, you know, that's when I set up the men's group down there and pretty much have been in contact with him ever since. But he talks about the wilderness expeditions, which my friend, who's a therapist up here, that's how he met Dan on these. And they would take, basically what they do is they take out young kids uh, that have troubled, like been in a lot of trouble, and they take them into the wilderness and they like go through like work with them to kind of you know because a lot of them have walls up they think they're super cool badass like i'm too cool for this i'm too tough for you you can't tell me what to do and slowly over the weeks they just communicate with them and get to the bottom of like why they behave like that like what they're fighting against and it's really powerful stuff Oh, it's amazing. I had a similar experience. It wasn't in the wilderness, but I I went to Guatemala my, I don't want to say my junior year of high school. I went there for 10 days. I raised some money to do it. And I remember I laid the foundation for an orphanage and I literally just poured concrete for like six days. And then we like hiked up into these villages and just fed them. I mean, it was a church-based thing, but it was more of a help-based thing first and foremost. I mean, we we did like services at night, but we were there to feed them and like just try and help them out. You know what I mean? Like right. that was the most, re- the one of the most rewarding experiences of my life was those 10 days. I, I mean, I look back on it. I was 16, 17 years old, just pouring concrete all day, but loving it. You go into those villages, you see one string of lights and a Fisher price. Like you got, that probably dates me. People probably don't know what that is, but you see like a Fisher price, like amplifier with this, like a phone. It's like something a kid would have like to have fun, like singing songs. That's what they use to like talk to the community. And they had one string of lights throughout the whole community. And these kids running up and down this mountain with no shoes on with the biggest smiles on their face. And it's like, they just see life differently. You know what I mean? They don't have the iPads and the friggin' iPods and all the other stuff. They just have like real life stuff going on. And I mean, I'll never forget that. That was an extremely impactful. Well, experience. They're, they're facing real adversity all the time. Probably, they probably have just hunger, no money, hunger and, and right, right. It's probably really difficult. Uh, Absolutely, I liked the the bit that they discussed about that doctor that. Uh, was making meth for like the Hells Angels to get through college (laughs) and then became a doctor and then ended up working in like sports rehab, helped the Patriots like win all this shit by kind of changing up strategies using a lot of data and then created this thing where, what was it like, like that everyone had to challenge themselves to something like really difficult. 
it was like yeah, separate was, from from the training i i ever since i've listened to that <laughs> that's i've done that completely like i it's interesting just the mindset that these guys put into you and once i hear that i i loved when he was like if i could go eight miles then i could go 16 i could probably do that but could i do 32 that might be a little rough and then he's like i'll try and do 32 and then you realize that your mind just like paints you into this box all the time and yeah that, that sounded it, fascinating i wonder i guess you, the only way you could know is to test it but i hate running dude, for a long time I so test, i don't know I, how it I, t- I wanted i wanted to touch on this before we we got out of this but the thing that he was talking about the two human things that we have that most other mammals don't have is the ability to run long distances and the ability to carry our food out with our hands he's like it's not sustainable to try and carry food out with your mouth that's why a lot of these animals don't don't eat the whole kill you know what i mean right and i was just kind of intrigued by that and he he was like when i started just carrying stuff on my back and then doing hikes and whatnot he's like that's a good equalizer that you could do with people that maybe are not in as good a shape he was talking about with like his mom but has such a much like impact and ever since he said that like i was doing the stairs and i just started adding weight to the stairs oh man it's a that's like a, i just added it it's only 10 pounds but it's like small percentage is already changing i can already see it's like crazy the fact that you could just walk around with weight and that's how humans were supposed to like i don't want to say stay in shape but that's just what they did whenever they went and gathered food you know what i mean you had the ability to carry it out and that's how people that Get is interesting. Well, you know, the SEALs and, and like, military, they're always rocking around. And I always just assume that's because they're always carrying packs anyway, so they got to get used to it. But right. maybe it's more than that. Maybe that is, like, what our bodies are designed for. And it, it could be connected to, the, like, the ultimate way to stay in really good shape. I think that's totally – I think that's totally – I mean, I don't even want to say possible. It just is. That's the case. Yeah, let so me know how like, that goes. Like, see if, you know, if if it's, like, a thing you keep up, like, see if you can identify, like, how it changes, just, I don't know, anything else, like, energy, generally, how the stairs feel. Probably when you go back and you don't have the weight, the stairs won't feel like anything. Oh, it's so easy when I go do those stairs, the stair climber now, and I go do those without the weights, and I come home and I do my manual stairs with the weights it's like i look forward to the stair climber now it's like whenever whenever he said he got when he got done with that when he got done with that hunt and he's like i stepped up like i remember him saying that he took off his ruck and he stepped up like 24 inches or something he's like it was like i levitated up there you remember him saying that oh yeah so i mean it's true story it's like the smallest incremental change can that makes sense it's like training on a different planet like changing your gravity (laughs) absolutely yeah I like it. All right, let's jump over to Russell Peters. Um, this guy's a legend. Um, it, great connection to Joe. He's known him a long time. He gave Joe a watch once, which was a cool gift. Yep. And I'd never heard the it? whole story about it, but it was cool that they talked about it. Just that he was like, hey, you like my watch? And just it was just a really generous gift. I love that. I love that he didn't even know he did it. That was the best part. Yeah, he didn't even pay it. He probably does stuff like that all the time. I bet he's a super nice guy. That's a good spot to be at in life. Like, fucking, when people people remember stuff like that and you don't even make reference to it because that's just the way you are, I got to give Russell props on that. Yeah, and also to Joe because it wasn't just like a gift. He's like, oh, thanks, and just puts it away. He's like symbolically wears it for every comedy special. 
So it has totally. this this big meaning, and Russell didn't even know about that. It wasn't like Joe told him before. He was just like, "This is the right. thing I do. This is like my lucky watch, and that's what I do with it." I have a funny feeling. I just thought of this. I didn't think of this prior to the podcast, but I bet you that Russell Peters is one of the main guys that he's talking about whenever he talks about getting fucked over in divorces. Just based on the conversation they had, they didn't make reference to that. But you know how Joe's always like, "I got a buddy who's still paying off." xyz and the girl doesn't even work this that and the other i, I imagine russell might be part of that oh no no <laughs> uh, it, it's not him i'll tell you who it is it's oh, a yeah? guy from news radio when he used to be on there oh. it's a oh, dude really? that used to be in a skit show a canadian skit show called um oh god am i gonna fuck this up right now they made a movie called brain candy kids in the hole oh yeah 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 so that. so he's a guy from kids in the hole he came into news radio i think later in the show he kind of like was the boss in the office but yeah i i'm pretty i'm almost 100 percent sure he's the guy that joe's talking about that got the divorce okay. and had to pay a fuck ton of money gotcha i think gotcha. they brought okay. him in after phil hartman um got killed by his wife right right okay but yeah Fair enough. he's a very funny dude but yeah he's getting he's had a rough time rough time <laughs> But a lot of people have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Russell's a big uh, jiu-jitsu guy. And right. uh, even though he's only a blue belt, he's been training for some time. Absolutely loves it. Is is right. a bit of a fanatic about it. And right. uh, I think he trains with... I mean, he's trained with like all the best people because he can just get right. access to it. Um, yep. John but, Jock, that's what he made. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. Right. But I, I just love that. I love that he's so passionate about that sort of thing really anyone that i hear that especially people that are older that are still training like that i mean russell's not like in great shape he even said that he doesn't really work out he's not an athlete but he goes right. there and he you know he's getting choked out he's fighting right. hard and it's, i mean i bet he, he probably beats me up if, you know i don't know i don't have any i mean i don't know but He's got some skills. Well, he's like. yeah. He would beat you up at jujitsu for sure. Right, right, for sure. I mean, he's done it long enough. What did you think about yep. that hyperbolic chamber business that Joe's talking about doing? I'm all for. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Really, I, that seems a bit <clears throat> extreme, doesn't it? I mean, we're, we're talking about the telomeres thing. Yeah, that's right. Lengthening your telomeres. I, I mean, let's let's be real here. Joe has the best and most efficient and most i mean most accredited doctors in his life i'm sure and they're not going to sell him up the river at least it might be it might not have like the extensive studies done on it but i and they would be telling him that for a reason you know what i mean mm. i would imagine i don't and i mean he's gonna i kind of trust his judgment as far as the experiences that he's had so i mean i i'm not opposed to it i think anything whenever you're trying i mean we were just talking about the polar plunge and all these things that probably from the outside would just look like, oh, that's uncomfortable, but have a, a lot of health benefits. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in it. Like it, it sounds, it's not like lengthening your telomeres is interesting. Like that, right. that's the kind of like the cap on your chromosomes, and it's a, it's a, a like a measure of age for sure. I mean, they don't right. really know what that means, but as you're chromosomes reproduce and you get older the telomeres which are there to kind of protect the integrity of the chromosome like breaks down and 
um, I just remember this from my biology classes in college, but yeah, it's like there seems to be no way to stop that happening. At least was what I was taught at the time, you know, right. five years ago when I was in college. Um, but maybe there's maybe there's something new. Like who knows? I, maybe that's I like keep, the magic fucking bullet to potentially. I keep I keep getting the idea, and Joe makes reference to it whenever Elon's on and other people. It's like we're right on the cusp of like immortality, right? Mm-hmm. Now you can make it through the next next hundred years. We might develop something that just allows you to live forever. Uh I don't think we're supposed to. I don't. I know we're not supposed to, but I feel like that's the thing. That's the that's the goal. It seems like this whole idea of just like not letting life take its course. Just like be what's really this. super healthy to one hundred, and then sacrifice Get yourself hit. to the gods. Get hit by a car. Mm-hmm. Be quick. Gotta be quick. <laughs> right. Uh, they, Joe opened up a lot about the comedy club that he's opening. He's like, I think he's trying to keep it more and more of a secret, but he can't help himself. What do you think that is? What like who's saying you can't talk about it? Well, no, it's just it. him. He's just like trying to keep it on the DL, you know, not not so making too big like, of an issue about it. Well, there's a lot of planning to go into it, and it, look, it's not like he can't promote the fuck out of it once it's made. Right. He has the biggest point. platform, you know, ever. But he's, right. you know, he's just kind of keeping it quiet. Maybe he doesn't want like it's... fans showing up there before it's finished, that sort of thing. And. I... In hindsight, it kind of, and the fact that I just said that too kind of builds it up even more. The fact that he's not talking about it, so when he does start talking about it, it's going to make it that much bigger, right? Yeah, dude, it's going to be, it's going to be unbelievable. I mean, every comic is going to want to be there. It's, when are you moving to Austin? Yeah, right. I don't know, man. I don't know. I was really considering it when I was in Nashville, but yeah. if you think about it, think how long you would have had to wait. Like, yeah, like. Some of those guys are getting to perform now, but they're, you know, it's like Tony Hinchcliffe is performing, that girl that came on, that opens for Joe. Like, they're already pretty established comics. There's not, there wasn't going to be like an open mic scene for a long time. So, I don't know. I just didn't trust COVID to like pull itself together and continue doing stand up. So, I just said to myself, well, let's, let's make a different change. I did see some live comedy the other day here. Some some comedians oh, yeah? from LA came out on a tour, and some of the open micers were here. There was some was major bombing. It was really <laughs> uncomfortable, and there was some some good open micers, local people that were pretty good, to be honest. I feel and like the, he's kind of, he's kind of go on. He's kind of put Bo's he's kind of put Bozeman on the map a little bit too, to be honest. I mean, he has the, he, a lot of his guests are talking about hunters and whatnot, and they always talk about it. But it seems like he's oh yeah, Bozeman. well Dan Doty's from here, Steve Ranella, from they're right. both from Meat Eater, so they they come on and and that's how he's seen this place. And um, yeah, Bozeman is I mean it's blowing up. It's right. there's so much construction here. House prices have gone up like. God knows, forty percent in like the last ten years. Like it's crazy. Jesus. Yeah. It's it's a nice place. place. Nice place. But it's not it's not the energy that Austin has. And if you're going somewhere to, you know, create a comedy scene and also have like basically, you know, city life and a lot of people around, this place is too small. I mean we've had episodes of this podcast that have been downloaded by 
higher numbers than the entire population of Bozeman. That's crazy. Yeah, listening to us morons talk. What does that feel like? Do you feel like you're part of a community there, or is it? Are you still detached? What's that kind of vibe? No, it's it's fine. I mean, Kron Gracie yeah. came up here, so now we have right. a, an incredible jujitsu school, and all the guys over there are great. And you bump into them all the time, and it's it's like that becomes like its own little you know community. Like everyone's always saying hi because it's like yeah, right. we go do that. And then yeah. yeah, there's a lot of a lot of that kind of group stuff. Like I go to a rock climbing gym, bunch of people there, same thing. Like yeah, they're just nice people up here, so it's very welcoming and friendly. Oh yeah, I yeah, like it's that. a good it's a good spot, man. Good spot. <clears throat> Let's jump over to, to Joe List. Joe motherfucking List. Funny guy. <laughs> Funny guy. Dude. Dude's been in the game for a minute, huh? He has. He has. You know what was funny when I was listening to him? Because I didn't read the thing about him when I started listening, and I was just kind of working away. And I'm like, God, this guy sounds like Mark Norman, who's another comic (laughs) out of New York. They talk almost exactly the same, even the way that they do their jokes. And to hear that they have a podcast together is is hilarious. Like, I I definitely want to listen to some episodes of that. Don't you get some Neil vibes from him, too? Neil Brennan, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 like a clever. I, I mean, he looks like sure. him a little bit too. Oh, he does. I, I didn't see what he looked like. Yeah, he looks a lot like. I mean, yes, he does. Once you see a picture of him, you'll be like, all right, I see the resemblance. But <clears throat> such a weird dichotomy to have people that are in such like a. I think a lot of people that are on in the spotlight doubt themselves quite a bit. But the amount of references that he like doubts himself during that podcast was like. I don't want to say uncomfortable because I get it, and people are like, once what you like are always watching what you say because you don't want to get canceled these days, and you don't want to say something stupid. But the constant reiteration of how big the platform is, we've made reference to this too. It's like, I realize I'm on the biggest podcast. That was probably the dumbest thing you've ever heard. It's like, let's stop saying that shit over and over again. I guess it might just be what happens whenever you're under the under the spotlight to say something like that. And it's just like a nervous reaction, but it's a rough go whenever you hear it from my end. And I hear him be like, that's probably the dumbest thing. And you hear him say that like four or five times. And I realize that he's trying to be self-deprecating, which is okay. But it's a rough go to like keep reiterating that stuff because it's like, well, how's Joe supposed to respond to that? Well, I think that some of the people that go on his show are just starting to get popular in their own way. So right. they are still in the trap of like reading comments, looking at reviews, reading articles about themselves. And that's fair. And, you know, any like you could have 10 good reviews, 10 good articles and one bad one. And that bad one that, ruins your week. That's, that's the only thing you think about. Yeah. Yeah. So then you go on Rogan and <clears throat> I mean, there's going to be. There's probably, you know, a thousand comments left about this oh, podcast. So he knows that one, he's going to look at them and he's already, right. he's already anticipating what they're going to look like. I would recommend not ever looking at those things. Don't right. do it. I, I've had this conversation with you. I, I just find it interesting that people take the, I almost look at it as like a term of endearment. Even if they say something shitty, it's like, you took the time to listen to that. And then you took the time to write something on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, all right. I really I enjoy the the bad reviews that are like really cleverly worded. Like they're trying yeah. to sound really smart. I'm like, Oh, so you're a right. grumpy asshole and you're intelligent. Well, that's nice right. to know. 
I'm glad you could Thanks justify for, it. <laughs> Thanks for spending your time on the keys for me. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I just I'm too busy. I don't have the time. Yeah. If I listen to a podcast I don't like, I just don't listen to it again. That's your choice. Absolutely. You know 100%. what are you really trying to do? Warn other people. Like some people like, might like it. So just you're let... like the <laughs> you're the Yelper of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fuck it's, you. It's not like I don't even know how useful it is. Maybe it is, but I kind of feel like look when you look at reviews on Amazon and you're buying a product. I think it is important to look at that star review because some some things will say that they're good and they're garbage and they break all the time. That's important to know. But I mean, something like a podcast, it's like, well, if you're listening to it and it's not something you're interested in, then it's just something that you are not interested in. But some people probably are if it exists. I I don't really get the value of, of that. Like I've I've given plenty of five star reviews to different podcasts that I've listened to, and I've listened to plenty that I didn't care for at all, and were just kind of boring. But they they don't affect me. It doesn't upset me so much to where I I, they must it must come from some sort of like envy and jealousy. Like how dare you have this podcast and I don't have one? So yours that's what it comes down to. You're like all right, dude. Chill out. He's made he's made reference to that many times. The people that are making those kind of comments are not happy in their own lives. Like to waste energy on some like to talk shit on some other people's stuff is just like, what kind of life are you leading in order to do something like that? It's probably true. They probably are right. miserable assholes. I would imagine. Right. I I couldn't imagine that they're like well rounded, <clears throat> have a lot of shit no. going on in their lives and running their lives really well and taking the time because they feel like it's important to pass on this message that this podcast certainly does not need to be listened to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You're like, all right, right. dude. Okay. Cool. I, th- I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head and that's the cancel culture is in the vast majority of it is just complete. Just angry envy. people, just angry, angry people, angry, angry at themselves. Angry. Yeah. And <laughs> just fuck you too. You're <laughs> shit. Really? I Maybe think you it, hate I yourself, th- bro. I think the internet, it doesn't matter if you say every single thing politically correct, you're still going to have haters no matter what. Like, I think that's pretty evident. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Can you imagine, like, 30 years from now, like, if we're still (laughs) still running and alive, like, you know, our friends' kids or our kids, like, pulling up these old episodes and going, I can't believe that you said that. I'm like, it was 30 years ago. Dude, there's no way that's gonna be that. There's no way that's gonna be the reality in the future because I, he makes reference to it in other podcasts. But like, whenever we start start to communicate without having to talk and we can start like seeing intent prior to like language, that's gonna like alleviate a lot of the bullshit. You know what I mean? It's mm. gonna it's gonna su- it's gonna suck for salespeople. But <laughs> it's once once you just realize what intent is and you don't have to have the language that's associated with it, you can just somehow with the neural link or whatever figure out what you meant to say without even saying it it's gonna like alleviate a lot of the bullshit i think yeah i hope so that's actually the number one thing that i like about that idea and i'd be curious if somebody was super opposed to the idea of Neuralink, because i would be like what are you worried about us knowing about you yeah like is it that we're gonna find out yeah you're a liar you're angry 
and you're a fraud yeah <laughs> exactly that's what it's going to come down to i mean those are going to be the only people that push back because even joe says that he's like i don't give a fuck i'm saying like what i mean it, it, it might rub some people the wrong way but i at, at the end of the day i'm a good-hearted person and i believe that so i don't think yeah i wouldn't care either <laughs> and it probably would uncover some things about me that uh, that are not good and i'd be like oh i'd be open to it i'd be like oh yeah i do do that sometimes i do right like while i'm waiting in line at a starbucks and someone's taking too long to pick their order i might not say anything to them but i might think to myself will you fucking hurry up bro it's starbucks you know what you're doing I will say that that might be a benefit to reading the comments too, because I'm not opposed to like constructive criticism. And I will say, if I go back and read a comment and I see somebody say something that I could have done better or at least taken a better view on, yeah, that could be an opportun- opportunity to use that in a good way. Dude, you know I mean? dude, read our comments. There's no constructive <laughs> criticism. It's just like these, these guys, guys are morons. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Sounds good. You know, it's more actually the most constructive ones are the good ones. Because they, right. they actually sometimes explain a little bit why they like it. Yeah. And that's actually kind of useful. I, I I would be totally up for constructive criticism. One. Like, hey, yeah. they this show would be way better if they did X, Y, and Z. Or the sound sucks. Or talk. they yep. talk about the podcast too much, which we're doing right yeah. now. You know, something. Because yeah. then I'd be like, oh, yeah. well, maybe we shouldn't do that as much. It's fine. Yeah. I think, I mean... If We're not exactly people, professionally please. trained. Let's be fair. Please, please, please do that, people. If if you have the opportunity, we we love those comments. Yeah, and and try and write nice ones too, if you can, if you can find in your heart. I appreciate it. <laughs> what what, what did you think about this story when when uh, Joe first got to Austin and he went down the wrong road? What was it like Sixth Avenue or something? And I, and I those o- guys were like going to attack him. Yeah, I. That's always like that's always uh what's the word i'm looking like scene and setting and the way he interprets it too he's like a skinny little dude when you see him he looks exactly like neil if you're walking down i don't know if you've ever been to sixth street it is pretty it's pretty intense it's i mean it's venice beach but not with the tents and stuff but there are some some street people around there and i mean given the circumstance if you're new to a city and you're walking down you're a 150 pound white dude approaching the some big dudes walking down the side of the sidewalk and the way he approached it too. He's like, I just stepped off the sidewalk. It's like, what else are you supposed to fucking do? You know what I mean? Like, and they started calling him like this, that, and the other. And it's like, obviously he interpreted a certain way, but I don't know. It's an interesting, it's an interesting take on the whole scenario. It's like, I'm sure from the outsiders that come from, let's say Missouri and walk down Venice beach and see what the fuck's going on. They got to have a weird, they're going to have, they're going to have a story to tell when they go back to Missouri. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it it is what it is. That's definitely the seedy spot, but I kind of, I, I don't want to say I'm a man of the people, but I enjoy being in those kind of rugged environments to be honest yeah i mean i don't i never felt unsafe walking around venice i mean some of the shit that they're posting online now but but like you've said before they're probably just putting up the worst stuff absolutely it's like it's like your head down i never felt in danger like even my old roommate she was 26 and a girl and if she was like yeah i'm just wandering down venice you know boardwalk i wouldn't be like you want me to come meet you like i knew that she'd be all right it might be well. I wouldn't do that at nighttime as a female, potentially. I it was an ideal. I don't think it ever really came up, but I, I would probably ask her, like, "Do you feel right. safe? Like, is it okay?" And if she was like, "It's cool," I, it's, I'm just saying, it's not 
I wouldn't be no, overly I, worried about it. R- r- yeah, you're not walking through. I mean, I don't even know what Compton's like, but I just think about back in the day. Yeah, you're not walking through that. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the, oh, a, they it, talked about the New York Times article that said no reported case ever from people outside getting corona. How angry right. does that make you? Like, look, we can talk all day and be like, look, they didn't know. They were doing their best, blah, blah. I, I, think, I think that they would have realized pretty quick that no one was getting it from being outside. Dude, if, if this, we don't have to go back and just reiterate, but it's like if everything that we've noticed throughout this corona deal has all been for show, it all has been for show, and it's all... I, I I believe that was in the one narrative that he was talking about. It's like they started talking about Say how what? Uh, they started talking about. <clears throat> get me back on track there. I lost my microphone. I'm sorry. Oh, about about <laughs> COVID and being outside. Oh yeah, I mean, as far, even with the mask mandate and like being outside, he said that I can't remember. He's like a, the stat was like under twenty percent of the people that go in the ocean get bit by a shark. When in real, when in reality, it's like hundred and fifty people. So it leads you to believe that it is a true statistic, but the statistic is so overblown that it just puts it out of perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was a lot of that happening for sure. It's like. Let's not bang on make about sense. it. I don't even want to get into yeah. COVID shit today. But yeah. I, I, that right. that one thing though really kind of stood out. I'm like, holy fuck, we fucked this up. It's just kind of. I never really felt. I never really. I, I never really felt that way. I wasn't part of that community that was just sitting inside thinking that, that was a reality. Yeah. For me, but I. But I hear you. Back to the one thing Joe List kind of uh, referenced at the end, and Joe got into it too. Is is kind of along Michael Easter's point of the adversity thing. And, and the power of bombing on stage as a comic, like how difficult it is, right. how much it hurts. Like every comic has been through it. Everyone knows. And it is it is the thing, even though it's the worst thing you'd ever want to happen to you as a comic, it's the thing that makes you better. It's the thing. Now, it probably drives out, who knows, eight out of ten comics probably quit due to multiple nights of bombing because it's so brutal. But if you right. survive it, right and you continue right. on then it is the key thing to becoming like a bit it's like the pain that painful it's failure like, it like makes like or breaks you right decide you need to work harder at right. it or become a quitter it like defines right. how you're going to move through a lot of things and and i have to say like when it comes to resilience just in general even though comedians often are you know they're kind of damaged people they're they're right. a little loopy they've had some rough times yeah. but man are they resilient like if you're if down. you're a, a comedian that that gets to tour and you've really been in the game for a long time i mean you in a lot of ways i can't imagine the the too many stresses that really could get to you it's got to be good to be comfortable with that too like to be in joe's spot or being dave's spot or being any of those like well well versed comics that have dealt with a lot of like hecklers and stuff they're just like look at this fucking asshole they've already know how to deal with it just because they're like once you've grown a few calluses and a backbone there's got to be a lot to be said for that just how it is in life too you know oh for sure and look it's not just that it's like the the reason they can handle them so well is because they got destroyed by hecklers in the past 
they got uncomfortable they felt terrible it like ruined their set they got angry they had to calm down and realize what it was and and then start developing strategies for like crushing these people which is why comics do it they're like hey just so you know don't do that again and you have a frame of reference to draw upon right yeah i think so i think so absolutely well that's it for this week guys that's the breakdown we were going to do reggie watts but that was actually from last week so we skipped that one anyway shout out to reggie watts reggie you legend you legend champion of a man all right well thanks everyone and uh yeah and like garrett said if you want to write a review if you hate us try and make it constructive and if you like us tell us why we really appreciate that stuff we love hearing from you guys okay hearing from you guys appreciate thanks everyone have a great week peace and love